the buffering is driving me insane. I've been having technical difficulties. And for someone that has beefed up their RAM to like the three digits, you would think that I wouldn't have a problem. So I am going to just <clears throat> blame my service provider because that's all I can do right now. I, I tried to live stream on locals, but it just, huh, it's not working. So I'll figure that out later. Now, today, I thought we would talk about pioneering things just a little bit. And this comes on the heel of some really important statement that I've made before. Uh, let me see if I can put it on the screen. Oh, and see, deals. I don't like deals. I'm highly against deals. I do not like deals. I do not accept deals. I do not like deals with evil people. I'm sure all of you do too. Now, Biden already knows that Americans do not want him to run for president in 2024. And the pick of the Democrat litter stinks. Really stinks. But Biden thinks that he's the best one to allegedly stop Trump. Get out of here. That sounds insane. He's the only one, what, that could steal? Because right now, he's provoked war again in Ukraine, and we had a peeing, you know. <laughs> stop. We literally had the MQ-9 drone being pissed on by a fighter jet, and then it just engulfed itself, you know, with a little bit of ignition. And that's embarrassing. I might say that is very embarrassing. Allow me to show you the DOD's video, which leads me to believe that General Milley is constantly in the state of lack of motion purposely. I mean, central casting it all looks fantastic. But let's take a look at this video if I'm not throttled again. Uh, let's take a look at this video. It's quite interesting when you see a fighter jet literally pee on a drone. U.S. Department of Defense has released the video footage of Russian fighter jets intercepting U.S. UAV MQ-9 flying in international space over Black Sea. In the footage, two Russian Sukhoi-27 aircraft can be seen conducting an unsafe intercept with the U.S. Air Force Intelligence Surveillance and Reconnaissance unmanned MQ-9 aircraft operating within international space over the Black Sea on March 14, 2023. U.S. termed Russian actions unprofessional. Russian Su-27s can be seen dumping fuel upon and struck the propeller of MQ-9, causing U.S. forces to have to bring the MQ-9 down in international waters. On Tuesday, Russian aircraft again engaged in dangerous and reckless and unprofessional behavior in the international airspace over the Black Sea. And two Russian jets dumped fuel on an unmanned U.S. MQ-9 aircraft conducting routine operations in international airspace. And one Russian jet struck our M MQ-9 aircraft, resulting in a crash. And this hazardous episode is a part is part of a pattern of aggressive, risk, risky, and unsafe actions by Russian pilots in international airspace. Now, I just got off the phone with my Russian counterpart, Minister Shoigu. And as I've said repeatedly, it's important that great powers be models of transparency and communication. And the United States. U.S. aircraft was operating in accordance with international law and did not provoke the Russian activity. Similarly, Belgian jets assigned to NATO's Baltic Air Policing Mission intercepted Russian fighters as they conducted low passes over a U.S. Navy destroyer on 17th April 2020. The Belgian F-16 Fighting Falcon multi-role fighters launched from Siaulai Air Base in Lithuania, where the Air Policing Mission is headquartered. Then they intercepted the Russian aircraft, two Su-24 Frenzer attack jets, one Su-27 flanker air superiority fighter and one Su-30 flanker sea multi-road fighter over the USS Donald Koch, an early Burke class destroyer maneuvering in the Baltic Sea off the coast of Lithuania. The F-16s conducted the intercept in a safe and professional manner. Air policing is a peacetime activity conducted 365 days a year over Alliance territory. Intercepts can be triggered when air... Air policing, hair policing, 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 policing. Why? 
Well, it's about deals, just so you understand. So the jet pissing on the drone is symbolic. It didn't, they, they made it known. And, you know, the fact that it engulfed itself, it's because it was a non-lethal attack. It was like, get out of my territory. It seems like Biden's constantly provoking. And it was uh, almost like um, a fun show. Um, fun show. Fun show. Because it was funny. You know, watching it's like, <laughs> they just pissed on your drone. It was actually funny. But why do I say this? Biden can't run. And the offer on the table is, Trump, you don't run. And, uh, you know, then we can get some other things done. And I'll point this out. So I talked about Sheba, right? I also talked about our ambassadors. As we know, um, Cindy McCain was elevated from ambassador of Rome to up whatever. You know who, who wants that position at Rome? Nancy Pelosi. Yes. Biden was keeping this cushy position in Italy for Nancy Pelosi. See, Biden is looking at himself as someone that is selfless, not the fact that they're all going down. And this is a portrayal they want, that he's going to step down, uh, you know, because he believes that this is the way to go. And Trump won't run because he stepped down and that's the deal. Now, this gives people like President Trump an alleged elegant out. This is stuff that they're talking about at the Atlantic Council. I don't think they understand what no deals mean. This is the deal that they want. And there's a replacement in, in, in waiting. Because, you know, you got to tango to find out what's going on. You can't not tango to find out what's going on. See, they're coming after President Trump hard, and they promise to leave him alone if he just agrees. The deal would keep President Trump allegedly out of federal prison. Well, we've been very dil diligent looking at things of how they want to put him in federal prison. And we have been paying attention. So while they think that they're striking a deal... These deals are being recorded for all to see at some point. I would say they'd be fantastic campaign videos. Just utterly fantastic. See, they've launched uh, sizable investigations in New York and, and Georgia where there are not a lot of Trump supporters, allegedly. Now, while they carefully select their districts where Donald Trump only brought in 5% five, 5 of the vote? BS. We all know that's BS. Because right now, even the left is begging for Trump to come back. And they won't even utter it out loud so they don't get canceled. But you know all of them are going to pick Trump. One thing that people are concerned about is, uh, I don't know, secret pardons that may have been tossed around somewhere. But we'll leave that for another time. I want you guys to understand what's happening right now. They're mocking President Trump, saying that oh, he's got a pick from the bottom of the barrel for attorneys. He doesn't need attorneys. He's got an army of game theorists. And one thing that game theorists hate is losing. And they're usually in for the long game, not the short game, not the quick fix. And they're okay with that. Now, President Trump is a pioneer. He showed how speaking truth is liberating. It is very liberating, in fact. And, and I have to say, a lot of people talk about truth and what, what it means. Speaking truth to power always has consequences for the person who speaks it because it is considered dangerous. And that's actually uh, part of the difference of parisia. It's an actual ancient Greek word. And it conceives that truth is bold. Free speech is bold. 
Now, this term, parecia, refers to the act of speaking truthfully and openly, even when doing so may carry personal risk or danger. And this concept has deep roots in ancient Greece, where it was used to describe speech that was marked by being bold and honest and fearless in the face of power and authority. Parisiates are people who engage in parisia, meaning that they speak truthfully and openly, even when it's unpopular or dangerous to do so. These individuals are often seen as brave and admirable for their willingness to speak out against injustice and to challenge those in power, even when doing so comes at a very personal cost. In fact, a modern day example is when um, Den Hollander, you know, the girl from the USA Gymnastics Association, um, started to speak about the harassment. She was a survivor of sexual abuse herself and one of the first to publicly accuse the former USA Gymnastics doctor, Larry Nasser, of abuse. And her testimony was instrumental in bringing justice, I guess. You know, sometimes people outlive their usefulness. But just so you understand, the concept of parisia and the role of parisiates in speaking truth to power remains a very important one particularly in the context of addressing issues of injustice and abuse. While it may be dangerous and difficult to speak out against those in power, the courage and integrity of those who do so can help inspire change and bring about a better future. Now, I wanted to say that words, thoughts, and reactions... They all decide where energy goes. I've um, multiple times over the years have revisited um, Dr. Emoto's experiment in thoughts and words and the impact they have on a molecular level uh, to water. Emotions have a powerful influence on where we focus our attention and energy in life. Allow me to share this video again. This time I'd like you to see the graphics and listen to the words. Came, came, came way away from the bottom. I, I, I going up and never stopping. My, 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 no worries on my falling. When I hit the ground, just bass, bass, drop it, drop it to the end of time. We go pioneers who broke the mold. Cap down in the woods, no sound. Green on the ground, building hip hop mounds. Song still spinning in my own hometown. In the future, when my name's passed around. To my dance shoes Hit the moonwalk When I'm leaving every interview I never look back Even when I'm leaving rooms I could cop a phantom When I wake up in the morning But if money's all you flexing Then you live the cheapest story I wanna be Picasso to the south Just give me all the glory I'm the man who make dirt and dust An allegory So Keep talking all right Stay up late all night Draw pictures of my enemies And visions I like Music's life, life's time Time's moving, take a hike Back then, say what's next I probably say a bike, 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 bike. To the end of time, we go. Pioneers who broke the mold. Cap down in the woods, no sound. Green on the ground, building hip hop mounds. Song still spinning in my own hometown. In the future, when my name's passed around, they'll say that he. Say
best dress shoes Walking what I don't need the term artist misuse Lit views, only lighting rockets Dodge every bullet on earth And now I'm skirting comets We two different forms of profit I could never fit in the biggest baller's pocket And I won't ever die even living as a target I kick the door off so nobody could knock it My, 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 no words up above it When I hit the ground, just space, space, drop it, drop it Pioneers. Pioneers. So what does that really mean? In essence, it's just people that understand how things work. The idea that our thoughts and emotions have a powerful influence on where we focus attention and energy in life. Our thoughts and emotions can either fuel us with positive energy or drain us of our energy, depending on how we choose to react to them. And obviously, we all know how the mainstream media and the alternative alleged conservative media works. Reactively. There is no point in reacting to anything when you can be proactive about everything. Again, words, thoughts, and reactions decide where emotions go. The way we react to our thoughts and emotions has a direct impact on where we focus our energy too. When we dwell on negative thoughts and emotions, we tend to give them more power and attention. That could drain our energy and prevent us from focusing on more productive or positive activities. You know, kind of like trashing people that are attempting to get things done. Now, on the other hand, you know, when we choose to focus on positive thoughts and emotions, we're more likely to feel energized and inspired to take action towards our goals and aspirations. The purpose of creation is to be able to experience all creation. And the purpose of creation to be able to experience all creation is indeed free will. The idea that the purpose of creation is to be able to experience all creation through free will is a concept that is associated with multiple philosophical, religious, and spiritual beliefs. This statement that I just made suggests that the ultimate goal of creation is for individuals to have the freedom to choose their own path and experiences in life without being limited or controlled by external factors. That's how you exercise free will. See, free will is stymied by continuous injections of thoughts, injections of alleged facts, And most of them are pessimistic. One can imply that free will is fundamental. It is a fundamental aspect of the human experience. And I'm pretty sure everyone programming AI is telling them that. Because it is. Humans have the ability to make their own choices. And that's the key part that what makes life meaningful. Now, From this POV, the purpose of creation could be seen as a journey of self-discovery where people are given the opportunity to explore their own consciousness and develop deeper understanding of themselves and the world around them. By exercising our free will, we're able to make choices that shape our experiences and contribute to our personal growth and development, right? But it is important to know that that perspective is just one of many interpretations of the purpose of creation. And there are many different beliefs and philosophies that offer alternative viewpoints. Look, primarily the purpose of creation is complex and multifaceted. It's actually a concept that many hold different meanings for. 
different individuals, communities, civilizations, and religions and cultural influences, uh, you know, have different meanings because they're influenced by a wide range of cultural, spiritual, and philosophical tradition. So, you know, at this point, one might have to say, well, what is it? Well, you can speak things into reality. Case in point, you know, with our Iron Men. Have you guys ever used any of those jet propellers? I mean, a lot of you are going to be like, we've never used gravity. That's for special forces. Bullshit. Um, but I'm sure a lot of you have used the water ones, you know, at water fun parks where you wear the shoes that just recycle water and you're floating above the water. Same thing with the hands. You'll be very surprised what kind of technology we have. Uh, those people are just bringing the forefront of, oh, look, they did this. They invented this. But we already have stuff like that. I'm just pointing that out. So speaking things into reality is key uh, a lot of times. Now, as I said before, it is being pushed as a deal that if Biden were to make the decision not to seek re-election, it would be a significant and historic action, almost equivalent to that of George Washington denying a third term. Get the fuck. No, it's not. It's he's going to jail, but he's probably going to die before he rots in there. Already did, though but okay. They will have him walk out like a hero as he's committed to this institution of whatever he sees America to be and that he's putting the country's interest before his own. No, nobody wants you and you are not going to be hailed a hero. Biden is considering offering a position of ambassador to Italy to Nancy Pelosi, which is the deal that was cut for her not to run for Congress again. Is anyone believing this? Are you believing this? Because I'm not. I'm not believing any of this. It sounds like bullshit, because it is. I hope people are understanding that. It's complete and utter bullshit. Now, here's some more bullshit. If you guys noticed... They're coming after President Trump on the Stormy Daniels things. Uh, and, you know, they're alleged, they're even mocking President Trump's lawyer, Joe Takapina. I want you guys to listen to this interaction. Just completely blank. Just listen to this interaction. I want you just to listen to this interaction of what is being said. And not all of it. We're going to stop at some point. We just need the beginning because it's 20 minutes long. Let's go. Lawyer Joe Tacopina. Thank you for being here and taking the questions. Thanks, Harry. Uh, let's start looking at this case. You have these payments. You don't deny that Trump made this payment. No, payments were made, obviously. Right. Is Stormy Daniels... I, I call them extortion payments, of course. We'll get into it, right? Yeah, yeah. So the payments are made. Is Stormy Daniels a lawyer? Is Stormy Daniels a lawyer? Yeah. A lawyer? Yeah, is Stormy Daniels a lawyer? I thought you were asking, is she a liar? Is she a lawyer? I... I don't think she's a lawyer. I don't think a lawyer was a lawyer either, but <laughs> well, okay. Daniels well, is not a lawyer. So she's not a lawyer. And these payments were made. And they were, according to federal filings, mm -hmm. classified on the Trump side as legal services. Mm -hmm. um, that was false, wasn't it? The payments were made to a lawyer, not to Stormy Daniels. The payments were made to Donald Trump's lawyer, which would be considered legal fees. Michael Cohen, regardless of what we all know about him now, um, and hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, is a is a fraud, is a liar, a convicted perjurer, um, in the Trump world and outside the Trump world with the medallions and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, was his lawyer at the time and advised him that this was the proper way to do this to protect himself and his family from embarrassment. It's as simple as that. And that money, though, just to be mm -hmm. clear on this point, did go to Stormy Daniels, so it wasn't legal well, it fees. To, it was a payment. No, went to Stormy Daniels first from Cohen. This was how Michael Cohen structured this, by the way. Okay, mm -hmm. it went to Stormy Daniels from Michael Cohen. He decided he was going to do it this way and asked for the reimbursement of what he billed as legal fees. Um, that is not a crime. It's not a crime, and more importantly, well, I didn't hold on because we're doing this with piece by piece evidence. Yeah, yeah, I didn't say or ask if it was a crime. I'm just trying to get the pieces yep. in place. Yeah. You seem to be putting forward a defense that's the kind we've heard from Trump before, that, well, other people are just doing these things, so he's not in on it. Other people is his lawyer who was advising him okay, how, his to lawyer at the time. how to structure a settlement. Uh, yep, how to structure, yeah. yeah. And so let's take a listen. I actually want to jump ahead to sure. something we have. This is a Trump-Cohen recording um, where you have Trump in the room informed about the nature of some of these payments. Sure. Let's listen to this audio recording. I need to open up a company 
for the transfer of all of that info regarding our friend David. I spoke to Alan about it when it comes time for the financing, which will be... Listen, what financing? We'll have to pay you. So. No, 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 no. When Donald Trump's talking to Mr. Cohen, as you say at the time, his lawyer, and is engaged and is saying yes and pay with cash, that doesn't you mean sound bag like of cash. It means instead of financing the payment over months or years, right? It means but pay that write a check. Okay, yeah. that doesn't sound like someone who has a lawyer who's gone rogue. It sounds like someone who is using rogue. this lawyer to send the money to Daniels. And the problem potentially for your client in New York is whether this was misclassified, a.k.a. illegally written down as something it wasn't, as a payment what for legal be, services. What would be illegal about it? Well, I could show you. I know you like to ask questions. Oh, what would be illegal about it? Here's what he was called in okay. the federal case, individual one. Those were the Cohen charges. And you right. refer to that to say that that was well, bad for Michael Cohen. That was Cohen. campaign finance law violations, right? right? Right. And here is... Something that the federal government chose not to bring against Donald Trump. Well, as you know, they were not allowed to under DOJ rules in a federal case while he was president. Oh, and then he was not president, and they still haven't brought cases against Donald Trump. This is true. Thank you. This is true. Thank you. Now, let's, you asked about whether this would become a crime or not. And again, the authorities will determine that. But sure. if you're making the defense, I'm trying to understand what the defense actually is, because here's how it was put by the feds. Mm -hmm. Cohen, with the assistance of Corporation One, arranged for the purchase of those stories to suppress them and prevent them from influencing the election. Uh, the new reporting is, I want to get the benefit of your response, prosecutors could argue that $130,000 became a donation to Trump's campaign under the theory that the money oh. was silencing Daniels, benefiting his... All right, I'm not a lawyer. Can we talk about this for a second? I'm not a lawyer, but we need to talk about this for a second. So here's the problem that we have with people like him who are opining and lawyers. Sorry, no offense. I love you guys because you're licensed to talk, but let's talk as lawyers. All right. So do you guys remember their Twitter files? I want to ask you a question. Did the government that was silencing voices like Adam Schiff demanding that Greg Rubini be silenced, for example, or others, was that silencing through corporations, something, something to silence information about something, something? So let's see. So if this case goes forward, this is where we bring out the Twitter files and find out, is this not election uh, meddling? Mm -hmm. I'm saying this is quite timely because what they're trying to say is that the 130000 payout became an improper donation to his campaign. Under the theory, because the money silenced Ms. Daniels, it benefited his candidacy. So, as a people trying to use that argument, how hard do we fucking win knowing that the Democrats were suppressing speech through money they were receiving from the federal government to silence us? See, I don't know why anyone hasn't taken that freaking angle. You're talking about a $130,000 payout, which you are considering that was out of his own pocket, first of all. And because it silenced Stormy Daniels, it helped him win? Get out of here. No, it was you had Hillary Clinton in there. There was no way in hell she was winning. And you had the full throttle power of the United States corrupt fourth unelected branch of government that has been set in stone for over 50 years, right? Paying out private companies to benefit Hillary Clinton, to benefit Joe Biden, to benefit the Democrats, to silence their mishaps and misdoings and crimes. <laughs> but this is your problem? See, I'm, I'm feeling amicusly, if you catch my drift. This is going to be fun. I believe that that is one strategy that will ping them right in the face of, okay, you want to play? Now we play. We're going to take what the prosecutors could argue and actually make that an argument. Now, as I said, I, I had dinner, as you guys know, um, a couple weeks ago with the attorney that's, um, that was looking into uh, and working on the election case, uh, part of Warner Mendenhall's group, right? And so this attorney is taking on, again, my election case because that's, you know, 
going to be filed in the month of April, but there needs to be a social media case. I was, my information was hacked. It was abused. I was terminated. They stymied my income, right? I have a lot to say. And one of them even stole money from me. But that will all be argued, adding that the federal government aided and abetted in it. Of course they did. We have the Twitter files. But wait till you see the other files that will be coming. See, that's what's the most important right now, that we look at the things they say. I've always said this, evil cannot create, it can only mimic. And one thing you have to realize is the way you win a game is to not play the game. But if you want to throttle it and say, okay, we're calling an end to this, use their words against them. This statement, arguing that the payout effectively became an improper donation to his campaign under the theory because the money silenced Miss Daniels benefited his candidacy, is, huh, the fourth unelected branch of government used our tax money to pay private companies so they can silence us to benefit their survival. See, that is how things work. It's very important that we pay attention to what they say because they tell you everything they're doing and just which way they want to do it. But you have to understand everything that they that was intended for evil. When in the hands of people they can see it for what it really is, it could be a really strong boomerang and come right back on them. Where suddenly it's like, you want to go this way? All right, let's go this way. Let's create the precedent. You created the precedent that we can impeach a, no, a president that's no longer in office. Huh, let's start. 46, 44, 43. We could keep going. Because now we got you. You want to try to, you created the precedent. Remember, it's all about precedent. So do not be in dismay with this. But having said that, how is he going to be indicted under state law? Well, take a listen to what they say. This one is a quite interesting perspective, considering that they're taking Michael Cohen's testimony, who has been proved to be a liar and a fraud, blah, 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 blah. Listen to what they say. My goal is to allow um, Alvin Bragg and his team to do what they need to do. I'm just here to answer the questions. Donald Trump's former attorney and fixer, Michael Cohen, testified before a Manhattan grand jury today for more than three hours in the investigation over a hush money payment Cohen arranged to porn actress Stormy Daniels on Trump's behalf days before the 2016 presidential election. Now, while it was Cohen's first time in front of this grand jury, he has met with prosecutors at least 20 times during the investigation, preparing for this day. He told reporters that he will be back on Wednesday to continue testifying. It comes as Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg is said to be closing in on a decision whether to indict Trump, which could be an historic first against a former president. Bragg's office has extended an invitation to Trump to testify before the grand jury as well. But after meeting with his legal team over the weekend, Trump, not surprisingly, has decided to RSVP no. In fact, in pure Trump fashion, his lawyers are now calling for an independent investigation into that very same DA's office, claiming prosecutors have weaponized the office in its years-long investigation of Trump. Joining me now is Lisa Rubin, MSNBC legal analyst, and David K. Johnson, uh, founder of DCReport.org and author of The Big Cheat, How Donald Trump Fleeced America and Enriched Himself and His Family. Um, a title that makes a lot of sense. Lisa Rubin, I, I want to start with you on this. So there is... Wait a minute. A title that makes a, a lot of sense? Hold on. He fleeced the nation? Wait, did they accidentally... I think they spelled Joe Biden wrong. Huh? They spelled Joe Biden wrong. Like, we should take, you know what? I'm actually going to do that. I'm going to take his fucking book. I'm going to reprint that shit, right? Reprint it and change every word that says Donald Trump to Joe Biden. And then have blank pages and make that a fucking number one bestseller on Amazon. And all I have to do is look at the Hunter Biden laptop. That's all it's going to say. And I'm going to fucking sell that shit on Amazon. That's what I'm going to do, right? fleeced it and en enriched his family? Are you kidding? The guy lost money. 
I'm going to do that. I think, you know what? I may be feeling feisty this weekend. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to take that book. I'm going to find it. I'm going to recreate the cover. And then inside, it's like, just look at the Hunter Biden laptop. Look at the tax returns. Look at every page. We'll say where to look at it. And that's it. And I'm going to publish it. (laughs) I'm going to publish it. That's what I'm going to do. You know? And then I'm probably going to put his name on it and say, he spelled Joe Biden wrong. That'll be the introduction, you know, forward from the author. Uh, You know, this idiot who wrote this book, you know, spelled Joe Biden wrong, you know. And so this is a correction for his stupid book. I I think I should do that. I think I should. And I could just tell people, go to Marco Polo USA and buy your book. I bought mine. Even though I have the laptop, I bought it. Because, you know, I support things that help bring things, you know, out in the public. Kind of like I said, how journalism is going to be crowdsourced and you're going to be the ones funding it. I'm glad that people that pretend that I don't exist follow up on those ideas of creating an independent media that does not have sponsors. But um, I think I'm going to write that book. I'm going to create the cover this weekend and I will make it the, we'll make it the number one bestseller on Amazon. I'll send it, I'll sell it as cheap as possible as a hard book. So maybe we can get on the New York Times bestseller. It'll be the nicest troll just to show exactly how it is. And, and guess what? I'm speaking this. Speak it. Now let's finish to what this um, amazing author has to say. Maybe he'll give me some input on how I should create the graphics for this. There's one, this is the possibility under New York election law. It's section 17-152. It's conspiracy to uh, promote or prevent election. Any two or more persons who conspire to promote or prevent the election of any person to a public office by law. So taking their words again, election laws. I wonder if Ohio has an election law like that. If two or more people conspire to promote or prevent the election of any person into public office. Mm, I'm just throwing ideas out here. (laughs) Shall be guilty of a misdemeanor, right? Okay, misdemeanor. I don't know what Ohio has. I mean, Excelsior has their own laws. Lawful means in which conspiracy is acted on by one of the parties there too shall be guilty of a misdemeanor. Is that what Trump is facing? Is he facing a misdemeanor? Because Michael Cohen went to prison for this. No, and I realized that, Joy. Michael Cohen did go to prison. This is a possible statute that the New York DA's office could use to bump up the falsification of Trump's business records to a felony. The falsification of business records statute says if you falsify your business records to further another crime or to conceal it, that itself can be a felony. And that underlying crime does not itself have to be a felony. So it's one of these one plus one equals two situations. I've speculated that one of the crimes they might be looking at is the one that you just cited, section 17-152. It's not a conventional campaign finance violation. Rather, it's about a group of people coming together to promote somebody's election through unlawful means. And I've speculated those unlawful means is Michael Cohen bank fraud. He got a home equity loan to pay off Stormy Daniels. That, as we know, was fraudulently obtained, Joy. And, and to stay with you for a second, Lisa, um, Joe Tacopina was uh, out talking today, um, his Trump's lawyer this morning, and he said, well, the issue is these were personal funds that were used, so it's not a contribution. It can't be a campaign finance violation because they were personal funds that were used. See, see, here's here's the thing. We're listening to Reed, who, you know, encountered time travelers putting bad and hateful rhetoric in the past. Right. And she attests to that, that it was time travelers. <laughs> so we should listen to what she says. Um, and now we have a home equity loan and personal finances. You know, uh, the Ohio State, Les Wexner did a number on me just to cost me more money, uh, you know, going after the campaign finances because he was able to take someone in my campaign, right, who, the uh, you know, I let the, the campaign was completely organic. My campaign people are incredible, incredible. But there was this one person who was being targeted and was made, he was feted and it fell on their face. Because when you're clean, you're clean. And in the end, they cost us money to go to court, tens of thousands of dollars to go to court just to drop it in the end. See, they do this because they're like, we're just going to milk everything you've got. I know that there's election laws, conspiracies, and you know the NSA have been getting very, very upset lately. Very upset. So upset that, you know, this planet that's black has a lot of things on it. Just putting that out there. Thank you, NSA. 
So now that we're done with that, let's move over to what President Trump's PAC, the Donald Trump PAC filed. It's pretty interesting. Let's take a listen. I think it's actually quite what did not really happen. We begin with a Republican rift between a former president and Florida's governor. Yeah, today, Donald Trump fired a shot across the bow of Ron DeSantis, accusing the governor of violating state law by quietly running for president without stepping down. WPTV's Matt Sesney has more on the allegations. Ron DeSantis, did anyone ever hear of DeSantis? DeSantis, Donald Trump is showing his old form, attacking any potential opponents. This time, a complaint filed by the Make America Great Again Super PAC with the Florida Ethics Commission, accusing Governor DeSantis of running a de facto presidential campaign and, according to the letter, solicited and received millions of dollars worth of illegal gifts in violation of Florida state ethics law. Mr. Trump is someone who likes to keep on punching. But that's been his reputation. Larry Casey is a Republican strategist from Palm Beach Gardens who has doubts the old Trump playbook of attack can work this time around on the governor. The governor's office responded quickly, calling these ethics allegations frivolous and politically motivated. DeSantis's communication director saying it's inappropriate to use state ethics complaints for partisan purposes. First of all, to have Donald Trump go out and attack DeSantis either with names or with this is a sign of weakness. It is not a sign of strength. DeSantis is a front runner for Republicans who may be dropping hints as he leads in polls, but has not said if he will run. Something Trump has been talking about. We don't even know if he's running, but I might as well. I do. I know if he's running. People should ask me. There may be video recording when the ethics complaint comes in. There may be video recording of. DeSantis' staff clearly telling visitors, you are not allowed to take pictures and post them with DeSantis because he's running for president and we need to make sure. Now, that's actually recorded and I'm pretty sure there's going to be more than 10 witnesses to come forward on that. <laughs> so, you haven't announced it publicly, but you've announced it in back circles and they all have that information. I mean... We don't even know if he's running. Is he running? Well, I'm pretty sure he is because there's a lot of people that have recordings that say so, video and audio. I mean, <laughs> remember, it's not just, uh, you know, Project Veritas that has secret recordings, right? Remember, Breitbart said, all of you have a damn phone in your pocket. How are you not recording this shit? Right? Right? That was the revolution, right? There we go. That's the revolution. So, you know, this goes up there and he's like, well, I'm not running. So this doesn't apply. That's where it's like, hey, I'm a friend of the court. Here's some video. And here's all the names of the people that will testify to that. Here's their device ID and the time that they recorded it, where they were, location ID. I got all the EXIF data if you want it. Hmm. I like games. Especially when I'm winning, I'm very competitive. Um, I think I've passed that on to my kids too. This is why we fight in Monopoly. Because if we get like, you know, the, the, somebody gets the lucky dice at the beginning, then it's game over. My kids walk off. Like that's how upset they get. Because then it's like, ooh, pay me now. Ooh, you're losing. Ooh, you know. So let's see what President Trump said here. Has been talking about. We don't even know if he's running, but I might as well tell you. If he's not running, I'll say he was fine on ethanol. Don't worry about. In the eyes of many, this may only just be the beginning of a potentially fierce fight for votes among two Florida political heavyweights in West Palm Beach. Matt Sesney, WPTV News Channel Five. Well, thank you, News Channel Five. So that's done. That's done. I mean, you know, ah, uh, well, those are just staffers. They're just stupid. I mean, your wife is not stupid, is she? Okay. Just saying. Now, having said that, let's go back to the whole, you know, Biden giving Nancy Pelosi the ambassadorship to the Vatican. I'll end this short show with this. I've, I've, I've told you guys the first time I actually went to Rome, um, I went there before an assignment started because I wanted to kind of browse around. And I had a coffee with a couple of friends, Piazza di Popolo. And then I was like, you know, I've got two days to kill. So I went to Dolly's, got my hair did, 
it was one of the most expensive places. And think, it was the year 2000, oh gosh, it was 2001, and it was like 385 euros, right? I was like, damn, there goes my whole credit card. I didn't know it was that expensive, right? Anyway, so I went to go to the Vatican and I was turned back around because I had to bring my passports. Obviously, I brought my black one, right? And so I was able to go into the Galleria della Carte Geografica, right? The Gallery of Maps. It is a room in the Vatican that's the most famous for the map of the world, right? It has like this uh, long corridor um, in the Vatican museums, I would say, that contains a series of painted topographical maps of Italy, its regions, as well as maps uh, of other countries and continents. Now, these maps were actually painted in the 16th century um, on the walls of the gallery uh, by a team of geographers and cartographers that, get this, were allegedly... Um, directed by the um, 13th, Pope Gregory uh, the 13th. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people go there. But there's also another room with maps. I thought, oh, that one specifically. But there's like a private one that they section off. And so it was quite interesting, obviously, having a special colored passport, how you get private tours and whatnot, now, what I can tell you is that it was actually uh, Pope Pius V that commissioned this guy named Dante in 1570, I think, um, to, set, to do like a set of frescoes for the Vatican Sala del Cosmografo. And he commissioned him to put all the signs of the zodiac, the planets, and other astronomical, you know, bodies and astrological symbols. Now, just a couple of years later, Pope Gregory XIII commissioned him to be the point to put the artists and cartographers to create a series of painted maps in the Gallery of Maps at the Vatican Palace. Now, his name is Ignazio Dante. Uh, he died uh, at uh, exactly 50 years old believe it or not, right? 50 years old. And it was in his 30s when, uh, less than his 30s actually, wait, how old was he? He was like 20, 25 when he was hired by Pope Pius V. He only lived exactly 50 years. Now, the gallery of maps in the Vatican Palace contains a series of painted maps that so many artists and cartographers did under the direction of Ignacio Dante. While they're very detailed and very accurate for the time, many might say that there are omissions. But is there? Tierra del Fuego, which is an archipelago off the south tip of South America, um, you know, is there. Now, while mainstream will tell you that Antarctica wasn't discovered until the late 18th, 19th century, right? We've already gone over that where it's been mapped in the 1500s and 1400s, which leads us back to the oldest map of allegedly oldest map of Antarctica dates to 1773, but they did find remains of some African woman in the 1400s because the Africans were going there all the time <laughs> and it wasn't like snowy, it was hot, but you know, I digress. Um, they'll tell you that it was um, Holland who created a map called the chart of the Southern Hemisphere I'll be going to Boston soon again for special things. Um, as a stop off before I go home after a trip that I'm um, going to, I'm going to be going to New Orleans in April for a friend's birthday. So why not work, right? I mean, sometimes when you get multi-city flights, they're cheaper. So it helps. Now, Holland's map 
the alleged first map, was based on the exploration of the Southern Seas by the British and the French and the American ships in the 18th century. <laughs> remember, it was around that time where they discovered... <laughs> <laughs> they had remember how they discovered um, Australia from New Zealand, but you know because of the way the things move within two hundred years, it was really far apart, and it made no sense what they said. Almost like the seven thousand random islands they found in Japan. I'm just digressing here, but. Today, Antarctica is mapped and studied using advanced satellite imagery. Considering that the satellite imagery that we have is is theirs now. One thing that a lot of people uh, don't know is that the Vatican itself have collection and exhibit that include materials related to Antarctica and other regions of the world that aren't in the gallery of maps. In fact, you'll find them in the Pio Clementino Museum, um, where it uh, has Greek and Roman sculptures and artifacts. That's interesting. Gregorian Egyptian Museum, and that one has a collection of like Egyptian antiques, lots of relics and navigational tools and maps. And then the gallery of uh, Candelbara, the, that gallery has like ancient Roman sculptures and whatever, uh, lots of them in bronze and marble. And um, they show uh, deep sea creatures and marine life of Antarctica, which is so weird. And then we have the Ethnological Missionary Museum. Now that one has, you know, objects that Catholic missionaries, and I'm using air quotes, found around the world in South America, Africa, and Oceania. Um, it includes like... Um, exhibits that they have of indigenous people and objects that are related to their, air quote, missionary work in the regions. Now, one thing that I have to say is that um, during this trip, you know, the Pope was there. They're like, you want to go see? I was like, I don't want to see a guy in a freaking golf cart that's in case stupid, right? But I will tell you that in the room where... Um, a lot of officials went and I just kind of got swayed in there because I had the right passport with me. Um, just an observation. You know, I, I'm someone that understands the concept of the, I want to call it the religious money-making machine only because I have family within uh, that hold religions, uh, religious leadership positions, right? And, and this is why I understand this more. But one thing that I haven't understood is how... Um, there are people that um, work in the Vatican that, you know, if you're of the fact that it's a holy place, I say, you know, from the minute that someone says that the Pope is God's messenger on earth, right? Not holy. But having said that, um, uh, the Vatican is supposedly governed by the Pope, who has the highest authority in the church. And obviously, he gets advised by his group of cardinals, known as the College of Cardinals, right? And those cardinals are appointed by the Pope. So the Pope comes into power and he picks his own people and they're his advisors, kind of like his cabinet, assisting him on the way the church is going to be governed and um, to help with the selection of the next Pope when it comes. Well, there are many cardinals that hold more influence and prestige than others because of who they are and their background and experience um, and relationships they have with the Pope. Um, they don't hold formal positions of power or authority over another within the church, but the church does operate in a um, hierarchical structure. Uh, with the Pope allegedly at the top, and then the cardinals and the bishops, the priests and clergy. Now, as I said, the Pope selects their cardinals, but there's this cardinal that I could not, and I will find if I can. I have, you know, you're not allowed to have phones there, right? But Back then, there were phones that had video capabilities by LG. And if you were lucky like me and worked for the people you worked with, you had access to that pedestrian technology as well. And I may or may not have a phone with a cardinal who, at the time when seeing him, looked like his, he was in his 30s and 40s. And I believe, just a couple of days ago, 
my eye caught him 20 years later, looking identically the same. Now, the video that I, that I have indicates to me, and, and, and let, me, let me rephrase this. When I was in that room, I was busy looking around and I tried to conceal my phone in a uh, gift thing that I had, like a gift bag. And I bought, what was it? I always buy magnets. So that's one thing that I have is I buy magnets. And obviously the I am here mugs from Starbucks, right? Uh, and I had it positioned through the handle because it was a flip phone camera, right? Um, so that I can tape you know, I wanted the, the, in the structures of the ceiling, there were no phones allowed or anything like that. And, um, I remember that when, you know, they were sitting down having this meeting and there were a lot of people and just a few of us that were all assistants. So I assume that they thought I came with whatever delegation was there. And I wasn't even, this is me younger, wasn't really paying attention to, you know, the delegation that was there. Now off the top of my head, they all looked Eastern European. And um, so I'm going to stick with that. Uh, but the people that were floating around the room like me were all assistants and, um, you know, attaches. And uh, that's about it. Just people roaming and they would just like peruse. So I kind of blended in with the perusers and they probably just assumed that I was an assistant and it just so happened that I was there. Now, as they were having this meeting and, um, you know, they were all discussing something about seeing the Pope later or whatever um, that my ear caught, because I was more interested in the uh, architecture of that room that I was in because um, I was just, uh, you know, I was looking at the Northern Arctic area and I was like, damn, that doesn't look great. Mm, you know, I always love maps. Anyway, um, I remember seeing uh, one guy walk in with uh, a guy in black, um, like a black suit. He had a black shirt and he had a blue tie. Right. And it was very specific because he opened the door and then this cardinal walked in. And it seemed like all the other people were like, so the people of the delegation were looking to speak to him, but he had no formal position in there. Now, my thought was to approach one of these, you know, assistants that were kind of just looking around or people that were, you know, what is it called? Like para helpers to whatever the delegation was uh, and ask them like, who that, you know, but I decided, well, I'm just going to snoop in a nice way, you know, kind of like looking around. Since I'm holding my bag and everything, I um, took a picture of the ceiling, right? And then I put it on video so that I can record this other part of the ceiling. And as I do that, I take a turn discreetly and this guy looks at me dead in the eyes. This specific cardinal looks at me dead in the eyes, like dead in the eyes. And I look at him and I'm like, shit, he knows I'm recording. So I'm like lowering my bag a little bit and I'm recording him now. And he's looking at me and then he cracks the weirdest smile and, you know, he asks his guy to call me over. He'd love to meet me. And I asked where the bathroom was and I left. <laughs> I said, sure, but I have to go to the bathroom. It's great that you, you know, and he's like, oh, um, okay, well you just sign your name on this list and just walk out that way. And I'll have the guard out here waiting. Yeah. Great. I didn't even know why there was a guard. I accidentally was swept in there. This is 2002. And, um, I left like, hardcore left and I hung out at you know the Spanish steps getting cat called and eating limoncello um gelato it was I didn't find it scary and I didn't think of anything it's just seeing the guy he looked at me and he cracked a smile like it was one of those have you guys ever seen like those freaky ones where it's like the like Dexter not Dexter not good example where the guy, the killer's like coming in to kill you and he gives you like this smile and it's like, yeah, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> right? It was like super weird. Um, but his, his, um, 
assistant that was in a black suit and it was such a nice suit. Like that suit had to be satin, silk thread. It was so on point. The guy looked like chiseled as shit too. He looked amazing. And he had the most stark blue tie. And it was like that royal blue, that blue that it's like the deep sea blue. And it was a thin tie. Um, he was super handsome and he had no accent. That was another thing. And, um, you know, when I'm working, I usually have no accent either. Uh, that way they can't tell, but it was like, um, it's like those creepy smiles that they put out. Like, um, it's just, I can't explain it. The reason I thought of this is because I saw a video, um, you know, a couple of days ago that uh, probably caused my insomnia too. Cause I was like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. Uh, I see this guy again and he looks like he hasn't aged at all. And I see him, uh, you know, as I'm looking at Lane and his, you know, attraction, <laughs> to, you know, sitting in Rome, right? And I'm looking at all these pictures from sources in Rome and, you know, within the State Department and stuff like that. I run across his image in the corner and I'm like, no freaking way. Like, no. And see, this guy looked like super important. Like, he was a cardinal, but he wasn't a cardinal. I cannot explain it. Like, it's like he just walked in and everyone was like, hush right? And it's like, okay, he's just another cardinal. Like other ones walked in. No one like had this like, oh, anyway. So I wanted to say that that um, was something that concerned me when I saw it. Um and I'm going to be digging on that to see how this goes because I've just been focusing on Lane and his attempts to kind of enter the whole, um, you know, entrance there. Another thing also before I go, I wanted to talk about um, a geometric symbol. And that is something that a lot of people, you know, uh, allude to being, you know, um, sci-fi or, you know, like spiritual. Um, yesterday in the evening, I was physically exhausted and I decided to just sit and, and work on some math thing that a friend of mine kind of chucked my way, um, which seemed odd because, uh, you know, this is like underground stuff. There's a lot of people right now in MIT and Stanford in these little groups. Um, and this is my international group where I'm connecting with, right? Where um, people are analyzing Metatron's cube. And it's really weird because, you know, Metatron's cube is made up of 13 circles, as we know, and they're connected by lines forming geometric patterns that look like a three-dimensional cube. But within the cube, there are other different shapes and patterns that can be identified, including triangles, hexagons, squares, pentagons, whatever. Now, a lot of people, in order to understand how Metatron cubes embodies all the shapes, is to think about the different shapes and patterns that can be created by connecting the circles in different ways, right? This is how that comes. So, for example, you connect the, cir the circles to each other, you'll make a hexagon, and you can see the hexagon uh, within the larger pattern. Uh, you can also connect the circles and see a square, right, or a cube, whatever it is, right? The symbol you know, has been used throughout time by people for meditation and spiritual practices um, to help people connect with like deeper truths or whatever, right? But I, I want to say that the Metatron cube what, is actually found in the Vatican too. And what's really weird is, is that the Metatron cube um, mathematically is fantastic. But the problem that, and, and I'm going to put this out there for my math geeks that do listen, right? I would love to see someone code Metatron's cube, and then overlay that with biological code. See, as I was looking into it, it seemed as if it was packed code. And so while people call it sacred geometry, right, um, which it is, uh, one must think, why would it have that name? How is that sacred? I, I just want to leave that thought for my for my math geeks um, before I pop off now for my appointment. And I'll be back in the evening. 
But um, I will end it with the end of the world video by Tom McDonald, um, which is in collaboration with John Rich. Man, that man. Like, that's what's up. I'm loving this. Let's go. On that note, thank you everyone for the rants. I, I think I missed one um, that I was reading. I can't see the others. Hold on. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Thank you very much about the DNA comment. Thank you. All right. So I'll see you guys tonight too. God bless. I know the end is near, the television telling lies I know for sure the revolution won't be televised I know that we've been waiting patiently for better times We fell asleep and men are blind, can't recognize it's genocide Feel like the bomb about to drop out of the clouds Another virus going airborne, go hide inside your house Farmers watching crops die, they drying up with droughts Angry people forming crowds and trying to burn the cities down This is Armageddon, martial law for our protection I talked to God but it's long distance and I lost reception Forest fires and oil spills are the awful lessons I'm just waiting for the devil to take over heaven this is biblical, I swear it's in the Bible We keep killing one another and we dying for survival We used to fight for peace, we put our flowers in their rifles Now we're about to be extinct, every man, woman, if and child it's the end of the world, I will do better next time Oh yeah, I know it Yeah, I know it If it's the end of the world, I know that I have lived my life to the fullest Yeah, the fullest it's only the end of the world, their world. God bless everyone. Like the end is near, our freedom's disappearing uh, People playing God, call it genetic engineering uh, The media misleading us and evil's interfering While the government we need became the power that we're fearing Our billionaires are going to space, don't blame them for leaving Birds are falling out the air, fish washing up on our beaches This is end times, humans got a deadline Children were the future till we ruin them with headlines Should we pass a bedtime, but everyone's woke They told us chase a dollar that made everyone broke I feel like cryptocurrency is probably our last financial hope Soon enough the government will leave your bank account froze Judgment day is coming, you can run or you can stand and fight Panic in the dark or lead rebellions by the candlelight This ain't your granddaddy's planet earth, it's black and white The end is coming, I'll see y'all in the afterlife the end of the world, I will do better next time Oh yeah, I know it Yeah, I know it If it's the end of the world